Welcome back, listeners. Thank you for joining us tonight in the Creepypasta Book Club, the podcast where we read, analyze, and discuss significant creepypastas, no sleeps, and web horror flash fiction. We are your hosts, Jonah and Wednesday. And today, we are continuing Mother Horse Eyes from parts Terraform to 50. At some point, the CIA discovers that occasionally sending dead animals through portals would return them alive, the other side seemingly resurrecting them. Normally, living animals would be returned visibly altered, but resurrected animals show no other alterations. The first 16 dead humans executed on sight by the CIA are rejected. The 17th returns alive. Pompey conquers Judea in 63 BC and is captivated by the stories of the Hebrews and their single god, This god is said to dwell in a room of the great temple of Jerusalem, in the holiest of holies, a dark room behind a curtain which only the high priest could enter. Rather than ransack the temple's precious treasures, Pompey goes to the holiest of holies and throws aside the curtain. Seventeen is a young illegal immigrant from Honduras whom the CIA kidnaps, executes, and sends through. Upon his return, he describes the events of the last several hours as a horrible nightmare, where he awoke in a tunnel of flesh and walked towards a bluish light and low flute-like music. But when he touches his chest, he feels the burn marks from the diodes which the CIA had used to execute him, and in his horror, goes limp and dies. When Pompey looks upon the body of the god of the Hebrews, there is nothing there. The living subject returned from the interfaces, the girl that had been stolen from the CIA and was stolen back by them, is utterly normal. She has retained her early childhood memories in Brazil, but begins to show signs of aberration when they press her about her time being held by the CIA. All she can tell them was that one summer between the orphanage and Estonia, she lived with a woman who said she was her mother. She had lived with her all summer, and her face was not a real face. The author wakes up after a blackout drinking binge, and finds himself having caused minimal damage, aside, of course, from an old woman sleeping on his couch. She wakes up and wants to know the end of a beautiful story he had been telling her. He insists he doesn't know how it goes, and convinces her to start telling the story to jog his memory, and she obliges. It is a story of the magical children in the forest, fighting an evil queen, and he has heard this story before many times from others in this woman's position, but nobody can tell him how it ends. In the near future, a removal technician, a man who pulls people out of hygiene beds for a living, complains about his disgusting job. Some people, when their beds malfunction, switch off all the warnings, and even their own senses, to give themselves more time to immerse themselves online. The only thing that saves some of them from rotting to death in their beds is the foul and distinctive odor which alerts the authorities to send someone to pry them out. A Nazi officer at the Treblinka death camp, one of only a few dozen, He gloats over the efficiency of their operation, their sheer proficiency at torturing and killing Jews, whom he views as genuinely subhuman, cattle. A product pitch from the Reinhardt Corporation presents the hypothetical life of a woman totally dependent on her hygiene bed, who rises to famine the net and does not disconnect for nine solid years. She eventually has no choice other than to disconnect, but the outside world is so alien to her that she will end up reconnecting within the month and dying as a result. For this reason, they have created something that they call Companion Twelve. The world is made of the image of a cat, but things scuttle around on its back and keep it from sleeping. Cats hunt the scuttling things, so that one day the earth may go back to sleep, and so cats may go back to sleep forever. But as long as there are mysteries, a cat cannot sleep. 
and this cat is obsessed with the mystery of the oily ones. A team of doctors come to Treblinka from Berlin to perform medical experiments on the prisoners. With the team of doctors is a Jew, who the Nazi officer finds both disgusting and fascinating. The head scientist, Engel, refuses to tell the head officer about his experiments. With Reinhardt's proprietary software, you can feel everything, all the time, feeling without sleep or death, mixing every high and low into a total sensory overload to keep you from ever suffering a millisecond of boredom. Dr. Angle elects to move his lab into the old gas chambers, in between the fires of the mass graves being burned and the new gas chambers. The officer visits seldom. They bring select prisoners in, chosen by Angle's Jew, and every few days bring out a bleeding package to burn in its own special pit. Why the secrecy? The officer confronts the Jew, who tells him that he had been to Treblinka before, but because he spoke impeccable German, he was selected and sent back to Berlin to be one of Dr. Engel's test subjects. He was exposed to a Swiss chemical, which expanded his mind. Part of his mind now contains the mind of God, and he is wrestling with his will. God's plan is simply too awful. Imagine Mother Babylon, Mother Rome, Mother America, a great blood-drunk whore wearing the crown of the atom, as all around her fleshly carapace float orbital platforms of nuclear death. Scattered in the stars beyond, the seeds of Israel weep to gaze upon their new mother, the undying queen of blood and corruption. The ranting of a black Hebrew Israelite conspiracy theorist about Nephilim. He believes that in modern day, Nephilim control the banks and the internet, and that they want to cause a mixing of flesh and degeneration of society through homosexuality, the internet, and mainstream Christianity. He knows this because he has seen the experiments. The removal technician has trained to become a readjustment specialist, helping people removed from their hygiene beds integrate back into society. During sessions, his clients will often begin openly masturbating in front of him. Engel's Jew is ushered away before the officer can learn much more, but he is satisfied with the explanation of the chemical. However, that night, one of the Ukrainian prisoners of war employed by the camp comes to him with a strange piece of bone, recovered from Dr. Angle's burning site. It obviously belongs to no known animal. The officer keeps the skull, and dreams that night of the mother, and of her great pregnant stomach bursting open. The cat despises the oily ones. They bring death and unnatural life, and they have no harmony and no place in the world. However, as much as the cat hates the oily ones, she is drawn to them. The oily ones feed cats and are kind to them, as if they are their mothers. She cannot reconcile the evil of the oily ones who have killed her kitten with their mystery, and she decides to enter one of their portals to understand more. The boy who lives with mother finds her lying in pieces, and she plays the music to put herself back together. She demands he get her bag, as she needs flesh tonight. The author comes back online after a drinking blackout to find himself in his yard talking to his parents, He's been living with them for six months after being fired, living in his childhood bedroom, and confesses that he's been drinking non-stop every day for ten years. The next morning, he goes to rehab, wondering why he can't function, why he's so fucked up, and what happened that summer when his mother was dead. The next day, the Nazi officer learns that the Ukrainian who gave him the bone fragment went mad due to being exposed to the Swiss chemical. Anyone found having been exposed will be shot, so the officer keeps his own exposure to himself. The packages stop coming out of the old gas chamber, replaced by a new phenomenon. The old gas chambers appear to be breathing. 
This revelation leaves him in a state, and on a whim he joins the other officers for a swim the next day. While they're gone, there is an uprising in the camp, and over a hundred prisoners escape. The old gas chambers are a burned husk by the time he returns, and the Jew has killed every one of Engel's scientists. He begs for water, and the officer gives it to him. He tells the officer he must stop the mother, that he knows he has seen her too. The Jew dies, and the officer goes to the curtain, blocking off the lab, and pulls it aside. Within he finds a monstrosity of fused bodies, and a massive, impossible skull. Horrified by what he's found and experienced, the officer pledges himself to the Jew's mission, to rid the world of all traces of the mother. A boy has to cut down an apple melody, in a world without trees. The readjustment specialist oversees a retrieval of a 33-year-old woman who plugged in at age nine. They cut the woman out of her cocoon of hair, and to everyone's surprise, she is completely awake. The woman, Karen, asks if that is Ben who has come to get her, and it is. His name is Ben, but she shouldn't know his name. She shouldn't know who he is or be able to identify him. This is a spontaneous visit, a rescue. She begs him to come closer, close enough to feel his breath on her face. He complies. She tells him, in a whisper, that one of his technicians has put a pellet under the skin of her arm, which in ten minutes' time will melt and assassinate her. Ben must cut it out. So what are we thinking? Um, like, overall, or just our vibes? <laughs> it, it, it probably comes as no surprise that I think this is probably one of the... It, it contains some of the worst stuff yeah. in the entirety of Mother Horse Eyes. Like, some of the most absolutely reprehensible um, content in the whole thing. I don't yeah. care for it very no. much. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Like, we should just, like, lead with... You you want to talk about the Nazi stuff first? Yeah, because it's like... Because that's really the fucking elephant in the room here, isn't hey, it? Hey, I don't really want to talk around it, like, the <laughs> Nazi stuff. Like, okay, okay, okay. Like, if he wasn't set up to be, like, the big story hero, it may be, like, a little yeah, less like if upsetting. he wasn't the protagonist at the end? Excuse me? This read-through, like, there's a moment where it kind of feels like the implication is that LSD is deprogramming him and he's ready to be, like, a regular person. But, like, he's still a Nazi, you know? I'd like us to revisit that that idea about the LSD in a minute, like, <laughs> after we sort of uh, hash through <laughs> everything else about the Nazi stuff, because there's, yeah. there's so much here yeah. to go through. We spent just, like, so much terminal amount of time with him. Yeah, it it is the longest continuous story so far like not the longest narrative because like the investigators narrative and the cia research narrative have technically more parts but like they talk about so many different things and yeah. he is telling one complete story yeah. from beginning to end one of the comments that i saw on 47 mm-hmm. was saying that he's a compelling protagonist the nazi officer why don't we explode and die <laughs> like how how impressive is it of the mother horse eyes writer to to take you know one of the worst possible things that a human being can be a nazi and be able to convincingly write him as a sympathetic protagonist like everyone does that what are you talking about he didn't though he didn't though like yeah one he didn't do that but two like that's like everyone does that like you can't like look into an art without being like a nazi party like happening <laughs> like at least in most 
offline media, particularly, Nazis are rarely portrayed as sympathetic themselves, like, in stories about the Holocaust specifically. Oh, that's true. Stories about Nazis just, like, living in Germany and milling around in the streets of Berlin, you get a little bit more, like, you know, like, oh, like, sympathetic Nazi who, like, doesn't really believe in the cause. Where, like, this is about someone who is fucking gung-ho for the cause. Someone who is like, yes, the Jews are vermin. And that's, that's the reason why I said Jew in the summary, because that's the word that he uses. That's the word that the author uses, and, like, I think that's important to highlight. Yeah, like, even when he's having, like, this coming to moment, moment coming to, whatever, he still uses that word. Yeah, the character has no name. The character is never given a name, and that is a choice that the author makes. Like, that that he is the nameless Jew. Yeah, which is like, okay, okay, in, like, Lovecraft stuff, even though the guy is given a name, he's, like, called the wandering you can say it (laughs) and i think that's i think that's intentional here which which sucks because the whole thing is bad also not to be inappropriate in 47 he calls it the swiss invention and i had written that's what milky coco does to a motherfucker so i don't know what that means like swissmas like that really, oh. <laughs> that really milk dense cocoa. <laughs> I was grasping it there because the intention of it, because this is very much an online story. Mm-hmm. The intention of this and of of situating this Nazi character as like a main character, as like a protagonist who has, I compared it to like the thing that it made me think of was like Saul on the on the road kind of story that's mm-hmm. essentially what this is supposed yeah, to be yeah he, he has he's 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 struck by lightning he has the revelation and he he realizes you know he has his come to jesus moment where he yeah. realizes oh no i i need to abandon my race hatred and betray my fellow nazis for the good of humanity yeah. because there's this greater evil that i have to Which fight is, and it's like what if you just <laughs> what if you realized it was bad and then did the the fighting for other people. <laughs> like, there's a, a significant step was missed here. Yeah, because because there's no moment of like affirming the humanity of other people. Yeah, yeah, it is it is a missing step. It is backwards redemption mm, that I think we see yeah. in a lot of fiction, where like someone gets to you know be like a like a genocidal dictator and then they die heroically and are redeemed. It's like that's not really redemption though. You didn't you didn't do anything. You killed yourself. Like <laughs> justice, but it's not redemption. There's a line in 47 that kind of like angles that what this is what the author was intending, but like uh drop the bag. <laughs> the line is, it had been peaceful here before a murderous camp had been built and it would be here long after, gentle and peaceful. Like he identifies the camp as murderous before he probably wouldn't and like he's acknowledging like stuff outside of himself and like nature yeah. and stuff and like the land that it belongs in is like like land he would be gladly to like tear down and build over and now he's like yeah. a ap- he's like abandoning his like protocols and stuff and like engaging in that nature so i think 
like this is what the author was going for, but like bad. We did it wrong. Except, like because he's a Nazi, that totally falls apart because Nazis love pastoralism. They love Lebensraum. Oh, like fuck, you're that's, right. that's part of their big thing is that they they they're against the decadence of the city and the Aww. factory and they and they're all about the glory of nature hey. and and you know man's beautiful natural state as you know. So, like, this falls apart with any analysis. And, like, that that is probably what the author was going yeah. for. That he's, like, having this moment of, like, peace with the universe where he, he is starting to realize, oh, we're doing an evil thing here. But, like, if you know anything about Nazis and Nazi ideology, which you have to as a Jew... But, like, that's the thing, too. Like, people want to use, like, Nazism and, like, Nazi occultism without, like, studying actual history stuff. In yeah. fiction, and this is like a case of that where he's just being like used and like a really like American y soldiery kind of way, but they had like <laughs> they were like into a lot of pastoralism and like aesthetic stuff above like the fascist idea of like glorification is a big part of Nazi ideology. Yeah, and like a lot of people miss out on that and they just present it like I don't know, some fantasy creature. <laughs> Yeah, because because the aesthetics of fascism that we have in in modern day are those brutalist aesthetics. People associate Nazism with the sort of like stark, cold brutalism, the sort of like the fucking Mussolini's yeah, um, yeah. parliament building or whatever, like that kind of stuff. But like the 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 Nazis specifically. They were not just fascists. Nazism is a specific kind of fascism. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's race fascism. Yeah. And like to sustain race fascism you need to have not just, like, glorifying the military, which is what bog-standard fascism... National fasc... Like, imperial fascism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It it can't just be about glorifying the state. It also has to be about glorifying the sanctioned body. And so the, the fatherland and the living space become extensions of that sanctioned body and also need to be glorified versus the degenerate land of the city which should be inhabited and run by the slave races like that's the thing that is really frustrating is that like in a story like this one like mother horse eyes which is about this idea of this flesh parasite that feeds on the worst impulses of humanity blah 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 you can probably do a lot of really interesting Mm -hmm. stuff with that, with Nazis, from the perspective of, like, race fascism glorifying the flesh and the chosen flesh. Yeah, and, and, like, it doesn't do that here. It's just, it's, like, juvenile. Because it doesn't, like, go anywhere that's, like, salient. Nazi stuff gets, like, used a lot in, like, exploitative media. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, often the line between mainstream horror and exploitation horror as, like, the depictions of genocide. And, like, this is on, like, a line where it's just gratuitous violence toward uh, oppressed people versus, like, violence that's saying something about genocide. And it falls very much on the line of just gratuitous violence because it doesn't say anything with it. From a certain perspective, I can understand how it might seem like an interesting choice as an author to, like, write this kind of Nazi story, Mm -hmm. right? Where Mm -hmm. it is about, like, someone who 
works in a death camp and who is like a genuine gung-ho Nazi. Yeah, that's something, I think. You don't see as much of that, I don't feel like, because it's very hard to portray that in a way that does not deeply repulse you unless Mm -hmm. you are also someone who desperately, desperately wants to put Jews in gas chambers, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, even most, like, sort of pro-Nazi kind of propaganda material... Like, whitewashes it. Yeah, just says, like, well, that that didn't even happen. That didn't happen, and it should have happened because you're lying about it now. That's the perspective that most, like, pro-Nazi stuff takes. We're like, I'm pretty sure this person is reasonably so anti-Nazi. Yeah, like... But it's just going about it in a stupid way. Yeah, it just, it feels like it's a miss. Like, the intention was to highlight the level of violence that would actually be there, and then to be like, hey, this person who is, like, top of the pile is now, like, shedding off his identity for, like, humanity's sake, and, like, but, like, now you've turned him into a hero figure. Yeah, like, now he's just become a martyr. Yeah, so, like, like, the misstep here, it gets really close to what the person is going for and just, like, goes too far in the, like, other direction. Yeah. Like, the best thing here would be him, like, dying. Like, we talked about, like, redemption doesn't, like, save someone, but if he, like, if something different happened at the end of this passage, <laughs> I think this is also the parts where I started to, like, tap out hard. I was like, oh, uh, oh, we're, like... We're following this guy a really long time. I think I might be <laughs> out of here. There's there's sort of two paths that I see diverging for how you could have made this work. Okay. One is if he, you know, he he fails the temptation and he gives himself over to the mother because he has been poisoned by this fascist oh. ideology. Because that's what the mother is. Yeah, like, that'd be good. The mother is fascism. She's... She's Babylon. She yeah. is, you know, she's represented by all this nuclear imagery. She's represented oh, by, yeah. like, the cruelty of, of states and stuff. Like, sh- like it's, it's, it's fashion. That could have been one option. Ooh. The other option would be that he has like, a realization, the, the evil of his own ways mm-hmm. before he decides, like, well, I'm good now. <laughs> I think, okay, okay, okay. I think, like, option two, option B, whatever, he has, like, the final dream and stuff, and, like, he goes to, like, the lake and stuff by himself without, like, the, the group and stuff, because he's, like, bonding with them while he's still, like, having this revelation. It's weird. He goes to the water <laughs> and has this revelation, and he's like, oh, I understand what I need to do. And he just, like, drugs all the Nazi soldiers with LSD. He's like, oh, look, guys, like, all fresh water, this is your order to drink it or whatever. And then, like, <laughs> and then he goes back to his room and kills himself. Or, like, he goes into the flesh interface and lets the mom, like, eat him or whatever. And, like, that would be the end of that. Like, he starts off, like, an interface building, like, cause and effect, and then he, like, gets rid of himself. <laughs> I get where the author is going for. Yeah. I don't think it lands. Yeah. I think it is tasteless and stupid. Hey, another thing that's really tasteless is entry 41. 
the black Hebrew oh, conspiracist oh, guy. Yeah, yeah. That one feels yeah. extra racist. That that comes back. That comes back around. Like at the moment, that is like totally out of context. It and like I'm I'm not gonna explain how it comes back. Okay. But like that gains more context later, so I'm a little more forgiving of it. Like it is still dumb and like <laughs> yeah, is still tasteless, is still a weird thing to do. But like <laughs> like like let this me... person's really fascinated by different kinds of anti-Semitism, yeah. I think. Yeah, which is cool to explore, but, like, if you're, like, maybe affected by it, I don't know. Hey, <laughs> also, it's kind of wild that I skipped a lot of these, where a lot of these hit, like, core concepts I explore and, like, enjoy. Like, angel sex stuff. Oh, and, oh like, the, the, the Nephilim. Yeah, yeah. And, like, Nephilims and, like, dream machine stuff and internet meat and stuff. I was like... I didn't read these ones, and so reading them again, I was like, wow. That's... And, like, I had this, like, when first when Mother Horse Eyes first came out, I had this, like, really intense, like, research obsession with, like, horror Babylon stuff. I didn't read most of these. I was like, oh. <laughs> that's really funny. Like... <laughs> yeah, because the Nazi stuff was a fucking stone wall in your path. Yeah. I was like, oh. Not for Wednesday. I sort of want to make a guess that, like, that almost more than anything that it actually adds to the story is the intention of the Nazi stuff is to act as like a like a self-selection tool for who is is allowed to read this story oh like a the story itself becomes like secret knowledge because you've passed like the hazing (laughs) phase most you know most people can can sort of tolerate or uh, not most people a lot of people can tolerate that sort of like first like, like the early instances of like the gore and mm-hmm. and the other stuff but then when it gets into like the neo nazi stuff that's a that's a stone wall to step over when it when it starts getting racist that's another stone wall to step over when it gets to the nazi stuff that's a big fucking stone wall to have to yeah. have to fucking climb over i'm kind of let's okay i don't think people should try to recreate it in this way but that's a that's an interesting way to form a story it's an interesting way to like (laughs) hey stuff is going to get worse before it gets better so like brace yourself i guess (laughs) terminal story velocity i'm not opposed to like bloodletting for readers sacrificial (laughs) brain cells yeah i just wish it didn't have to be this yeah it could be anything i could i (laughs) Like, this is, like, a hard line that, like, even stuff that gets, like, rated lower on, like, the extreme gore lists, if it's, like, uber-genocidal stuff, I'm like, mm, maybe later? That's <laughs> that much. Like, even if it's, like, culturally relevant, done well, I'm like, mm, I don't know about this guy. That's, that's like, one of the reasons why you've held off on Solo, right? Exactly, yeah. Even though it rates, like, lo- like people put in, like, a... If you were, like, looking at, like, a gore shock iceberg, you would put in, like, level <laughs> one or two, which surprises me, because I'm like, oh, that's my, like, cutoff line. <laughs> but, like, you can kind of handle more, like, body stuff. Yeah. Like, just pure body stuff. Yeah, if we were, like, in a... Pu- we're, like, you're, you're, like, a human being who values, like, human dignity. Yeah. So, so the idea <laughs> of, like, like, mass death is probably, like more upsetting on a human dignity level than, like, people throwing up in each other's mouths or whatever. Yeah, I don't understand why it's, like, opposite for people. Like, no, like, no (laughs) disrespect to anyone, but, like, 
don't... <laughs> like, people puke all the time. People don't build death ditches for, like, disposal of human bodies all the Well, they do all the time, but, like, I don't, you know? You know what I mean. I don't want it to be, like... Yeah. Between the two things, one is obviously worse. Yeah. <laughs> like, if... If, like, the fucking speed bumps were, like, dead baby parade, fine, I'm there. Bump bump, whatever. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> Wednesday, oh my god, you need to watch The Uninvited. Oh, I have to still, yeah. Oh, it can be my next one. No, like, like specifically because of, of the thing that you just said, you have to watch <laughs> The Uninvited. Anyone, like... <laughs> Probably nobody listening to this is going to know what the movie is or have seen it. It's 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 a Korean movie. There's a lot of infant death, <laughs> forewarned. But I, I think it's it's as a watch, absolutely blew me away. But like, oh my god, I'm really excited. <laughs> That'll be my watch number seven. I'm doing like a <laughs> daily movie thing. I want to watch more movies this year, and then it just became I'm doing a daily movie thing until I, until I stop doing a daily movie thing. <laughs> I'll ride that wave. <laughs> as many movies as you can sort of fit in your in your cheek pouches. Yeah. For the winter. Or the the extra summer. Whatever happens. In the hyperlinks, there's um a link through hypothesizing that this took place on an alt timeline where Angels is like Joseph Mangale. Yeah, I don't fly with that. Yeah, it's whatever. Story but at like, all. like I, like I, I think that's stupid. And like, okay, and like less high concept. His name was like one letter away from Angel, and we're like tying <laughs> in like that kind yeah, of yeah, like Nephilim and God and yeah. stuff. Especially if we're thinking of like because this is like this is not a story being told by a Nazi. It is explicitly a story being told by a guy who is telling the story from a perspective of a Nazi. Exactly, yeah. And it's a guy who is like, I'm an idiot, I didn't go to college, I don't know shit about fuck, I, uh, <laughs> like, I, I'm making stuff up. So, so like, he, he is, like, capable of, of interesting things and of poetic qualities, but is also openly admitting that he's, like, a little bit of a ding-dong. Like, it's nice, too, because it feels believable. A lot of people try to attempt this, like, I'm an idiot doing this thing, but doesn't, like, sell it because they're also, like, professional authors who are, like, really proud that they're professional authors. <laughs> but, like, also, like, later on, I don't know, he's, like, bemoaning his age. There's that line who's, like, I thought I would be something by now. 33 years old, and I put a weary emoji by that. <laughs> Touching on this because it it came around in the Nazi narrative, mm -hmm. the musing about structures really oh. got stuck in my brain when I was reading it. Yeah, yeah. Because of like that is such a good metaphor for for what the story is about. Because like the first layer, what the Nazi is talking about when in in in, in the metaphor of the structure, there is the the physical structure talking about the shape of the camp and the way that it facilitates its function with minimal work mm -hmm. and and like the immediate association that we can then draw to that is to the structure of the flesh interface the biological structure facilitating its function but then it also like is is calling to this 
adjacent idea of a structure as in a societal structure. Yes, like the CIA we got earlier. Yeah, or Marxist superstructure. Oh, yeah. So, so, superstructure in Marxist theory, and I'm gonna boil this down, and, like, if you're a Marxist and you listen to me say something that you think is wrong, I don't want to hear it. Like, fight him Like, online. we always say, like, oh, <laughs> no, like, don't even don't fight. Like, fight I don't fight him online. I'm an anarchist. I don't give this much of it. Like, I don't give this much of a shit about about what Marx had to say about anything. <laughs> but <laughs> oh man, in our timeline, <laughs> we we can make leftist discourse unchained. <laughs> but in Marxist theory, superstructure is essentially like there's there's two aspects to society. There is the base, which is comprised of the means of of production and all aspects of society which are are directly part of production and then superstructure which is ideology which is like art and 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 other like conceptual kind of stuff like the sort of ideas of society which are shaped by by production and in turn shape the way in which production manifests to to use like the the metaphor of like an interface within the framework of mother horse eyes human reality is the interface through which the the structure the superstructure mm-hmm. of the mother manifests intentions because mother horse eyes is like an idealist narrative mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. it is it is a story in which ideas have inherent power and that power is greater than the power of the material world oh man right yeah because because the mother is flesh and she is flesh because she is the idea of flesh it is it's not that she is literal flesh like she is not something that exists literally she is a sentient metaphor that is coming for our world it's like it's a foundation of like gnostic teachings like like the material flesh world and like the spiritual thought world are separate and one is purely good one is purely evil and like the (laughs) material world pollutes the spiritual world which is like a higher level but also lower grade because <laughs> you can interact with the material world. And and this sort of seems to imply reverse of that, I guess, because the spiritual world has an inherent evil to it, which is what causes the physical world to manifest evil. And and this is where we can kind of get back to the weird way that the the author is using LSD, mm-hmm. right? Because like we see select characters have that the thing that LSD is associated with in our culture and like psychotropics in general is like you have this transcendental experience, you have this existential experience from using a drug that expands your consciousness and you come back to yourself after the trip and you're like, oh, I experienced oneness with the universe and it made me less racist, <laughs> right? Like that's sort of the stereotype that we have about LSD. We're like, we constantly like, with the exception of very, very few people, like the like the Nazi officer, most people in the story, when they are affected by by the LSD, they become extremely violent mm-hmm. because they are getting in tap with that evil consciousness of the universe that is 
prompting them to want to exert more violence and more control and more rigid hierarchy, which is the opposite of what most people people say that LSD made them want to do. I think there's a line here. It's like, within their own community, there's like, barriers drop as long as you belong to like the fever that's happening if you're outside it you are the enemy now but if you're like the hierarchy belongs like together in one unit and like then it's like the outside world yeah it is it's just like reinforcing these these barriers because within a single isolated group there is a a melding there is a mixing of flesh (laughs) but that it it literally comes it manifests with the barriers it manifests with an incident zone Mm -hmm. which will tear anything apart that does not belong to the group oh that's good yeah we see we see the dismembered korean man because he was not part of this group of of Japanese soldiers, which is like become an interface in the basin of Mount Suribachi, is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, I believe so. His belief that it's like the devil and like he's Christian and stuff, like that places him as an outsider to like mother worship or whatever is happening here. You know, like he's not <laughs> vibing with like the meat world, so he's like ripped asunder. Yeah, the Ukrainian soldier attacks the Nazi officers. And this was, like, an actual thing that they did at, at Treblinka. I was looking mm-hmm. it up. Most of, or, I mean, may, maybe not most of the way that it is portrayed in the story, but, like, a, a significant portion of the enforcement at the camp mm-hmm. was Red Army prisoners of war mm-hmm. who were then made into higher-level laborers over the Jews in the work camp yeah. and at the death camp. Yeah. Like, when people do, um, reenactment feels like a bad word, but when people, like, <laughs> take this kind of thing and, like, blop it down to literature, they leave out a lot of, like, other country involvement. There was, like, it was a world war at one point, you know? Like, <laughs> other stuff was going on, yeah. not just Americans slamming into, like, metal music in the background americans were barely in it yeah like there's a terminal law of movies about it for how little (laughs) involvement america was in it outside of like (laughs) outside of like buying nazi scientist documents (laughs) i guess that would be a less interesting movie like outside of pacific front which like i i I suppose was a big deal to those involved in it Meaning you no disrespect, Grandpa. Um, <laughs> he's dead. He, he he's, he's fine. He probably thought it was funny. <laughs> oh, but yeah, like, there's there's so much that American media really skates over. And, and like, especially about how that affected, you know, the people living in those areas. Yeah, it's, it's, it's also taught, really, like... I feel like we spent, like, a long time in that, like, zone, but learned very little cause and effect of, like, social science, of, like, geopolitical stuff. It, it, because of the fascination with Nazism. Exactly, yeah. So, like, <laughs> like, because people are so fascinated with Nazis for some reason, I can't imagine no why, God. totally academically interested Absolutely. in the Nazis, the history of... 
because because the communists are considered like a like a bigger and badder and more long-lasting enemy than the nazis oh so God. like you can't show an interest in in and, yeah. you know what was happening in the soviet union at the time otherwise you're a pinko i think the author tries to like draw in on that and like terraforming makes me crazy okay first off <laughs> like 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 crazy stupid like the way it like cuts back and forth is so oh my god but okay i think the author tries to like thread that because like he's drawing like historical allusions to like the u.s empire and like i i suppose also to like the german empire here is like through this like dominance through this like sacking this roman general is doing yeah and like the beats of like the the blood beats of how like rome extends through these like imperial conquests while looking less and less and less like what this guy who did the conquesting in the first place would consider even roman yeah i mean because that's that that's also a big part of like the nazi mythology right is exactly like, the 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 idea that like the the third reich is somehow like a continuation of the the greatness of 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 rome mm-hmm. by way of the so-called first reich in the holy roman empire which you know considered itself the the true successors to rome as evidenced by the name that they are they are the inheritors of the great culture and that is also a, a thing that that seeps into a lot of american mythology exactly but if if pompey saw them he'd be like wow those are oh these barbarians he then sat there's are those are barbarians those are like those aren't roman men yeah those are people i would kill and conquer <laughs> these are not roman men yeah these are these beings are lesser than roman women they are they're like <laughs> nothing like I think it's a part of, like, themage or whatever that is in Mother Horse Eyes. And we're supposed to meant to, like, take this as, like, a, a codex for, like, why these elements are being brought in more than just, like, the gratuity of it. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've talked about the way that Mother Horse Eyes uses empire. And, like, because this specific reading is so dominated by the Nazi story, I, I feel like it can mm-hmm. be very easy to sort of get lost in that because the Nazi stuff is gratuitous. Like, it is mm-hmm. it is intentionally shocking and, and obfuscating. But it mm-hmm, is part mm-hmm. of this longer-running thing of the presentation of empire and the the like inherent cruelty of empire yeah the only thing they have in common is this level of violence yeah but also god to be the vice writer getting this part of the story <laughs> i don't know if it like how'd you read the terraform oh i i i did not even go to the motherboard article i i just like uh, uh, uh. because i know that it's on motherboard there is no extra context for me to get so i just read it from the narratives page like on the wiki because i assume there's no you know formatting stuff no, that can only just, be represented no nah. <laughs> no it no it's just like that's i think that's really wild <laughs> kudos to the author for like using that yeah the platform of it yeah to like show off some chops like good on you yeah, the space to get more involved because it's not going to be like plunked off the Reddit. Yeah, 
in, in general, this reading has a lot of ones that seem to be, like, like particularly in the context of seeing them in the Reddit posts, they seem mm-hmm. like they were kind of written on the fly, almost, because several of these were responding to posts on r slash writing prompts. Uh-huh. Which is kind of which is cool, I think. Also, I didn't really understand the cat story until you read them all out together. <laughs> I was like, oh, like, warrior cats. I understand now. <laughs> you didn't even read those books, did you? No, no, I did not. <laughs> Like, okay, and, like, we're, we're the oily ones, people are the oily yes. ones, yes. the portal is the house, and yes. we're reading about the cat being domesticated. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> I didn't, like, I, I No, yeah, what, I like, didn't, like, the first time that I, I heard it, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, I, like, yeah. I totally missed that it was even about cats, I'm pretty sure, the first time. I did go back and re-listen to the part. Yeah, like, I, it just read, like, non-sequitur poems, so I was like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> That's fine. And then, like, um, then you're reading it, and I was, like, together, like, back-to-back like yeah. that. Uh, like, oh, that clicked. Like, oh, I see. I understand that. Yes, that, that does make sense. I like cat religion. <laughs> the ones that were from our slash writing prompts were, oh, no, this one is real. The one where the first one about being, like, blackout drunk, the one about the about the old woman wanting him to finish the story, was, uh, you have a unique power that only manifests when you're blackout drunk, was the prompt that he was responding to. <laughs> That's fun. It was a plant, <laughs> like, a plant prompt to, like, bounce. That seems really <laughs> specific. Uh, the, the second one was, tell me about someone who does not dream, and that goes to Rachel Fields, uh, Demon Penis Land was responding to ah. a prompt was how does society evolve in a world without trees that's pretty good that's a pretty <laughs> good prompt that one feels like natural enough that there was no request made yet yeah. still tied into the thing okay so the cat stuff because i did not connect it to be like oh this is a cat story i was trying to like connect it to like other parts in the story like the kind of like cat religion that's being mentioned here is is compared to the great hunt which is a concept of a lot of Indo-Eurasia religions, mm. particularly Norse, particularly, you know, Norse and the Great Tree and the Serpent and stuff. Yeah. That, that Christianosity, end of time, sort of, like, supersede to mean take over that belief system. But it's, like, tied in, because, like, Odin still hunts in that one, but in, like, OG, original, whatever, beliefs, is like... The hunt will continue until there are, like, no things left remaining, and that's, like, the end times. But, like, that's, like, an impossible state, so there, like, time is endless, is, mm-hmm. like, pre-tree and pre-serpent. But, like, that kind of, like, great sky hunter and, like, earth things that it hunts is, like, a predominant category of beliefs. Yeah. And then that also ties into, like, Christian dominance over the land, which, like, Mm-hmm. enabled people to hunt animals into extinction yeah. not too long ago. <laughs> uh, it's still today happening. Still ongoing. <laughs> when you when you say the great hunt, like like when you said that out loud and I was like, oh yeah, like Earl Koenig. Yeah, exactly. I like the cat narrative because it's 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 written in a way that's silky on the brain, but I just don't think it compares to the dog dream. Like No, the dog dream is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> Which I only bring up because like 
what the cat narrative seems like to me is him recognizing how strong the dog dream was and wanting to get something similar in tone to that. Also, I have in parentheses, oily? Jesus? Because of the <laughs> oily, the oily yeah. Joshua thing. Yeah. And that's what, that's the end of my cat notes. <laughs> I, I don't know exactly what word, like, means it, but, like, one of the things that people use to talk about Jesus is, like, anointed yeah 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 which means to like you know have have sacred oil on you basically so that's why i thought that was going and now i'm like oh i understand that it, that probably is where it is going a little bit like that's probably a little bit of the reference like two prongs on your on your page horse-eyed man <laughs> and the dog dream sort of gets brought up again in this one but in, like, that later one where he's like, oh, I'm back online, which is a cool way to tie in the internet stuff to his drunken blackouts. <laughs> he's like, I'm back, I'm back online. And he thinks about his, like, mom's, like, crumbles and defeated face after he's like, no, I've been an alcoholic for years. Like, how do you not notice that? Yeah. But, like, he, the way he talks about that feels really reminiscent of, like, the way the wolf mother's face is talked about before it rips into the puppy. <laughs> And, like, the person wakes up, obviously, and they're, like, talking about the wolf's mother face. And it has a very similar energy to, like, that. Yeah. Grieving mothers are kind of thread of this section. The narrator of the, the cat narrative is, mm -hmm. like, the first, the first female narrator that we have had in the story so far. And she is specifically a grieving mother. And then there's all the yeah. stuff about, like, the grieving mothers on the train coming off at, at Treblinka. And then, like, the, the, the grief of this, you know, author character's mother who is, like, about the... realizing that, like, oh, my son has, like, this problem. And, like, the other mothers we know of are, like, the adopted mother of the girl they stole. Yeah, which, like, doesn't get a lot of, like, reference. Like, the, like, the fact that they even kidnapped her kind of gets, like, blown by a little bit. By the terribly <laughs> long Nazi storyline. Like, I hope maybe they'll get back to that in the next one. I can't, I don't know if it's her, if this is her name in this one. But there was a note, I can't remember if it was in the hyperlink or if it was in someone's comments within the thing that I ended up looking at during this. Because I was really full of mimosa at the time, which added to the reading experience. <laughs> but, um, Angelica is a name that gets used more than once. And I think Where? it's the name... What, what is number 38? 38 is Rachel. Here she's a porn star is what I wrote. But I recall seeing this name elsewhere. Is is Angelica referring to, like, when Rachel does her mix? Is, is it the name yes! of the porn actress yes, that she uses? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Angelica's a name that definitely comes up again in the series. I'll trust you on that. You okay. should You should identify it, and if you can. And it's within this reading. I don't, maybe it doesn't come up again in this reading. I just really, I, I like, really pinged a memory. <laughs> Mixes are, are a really cool concept. All the near future stuff is, like, some of my favorite in Mother Horse Eyes in general. The Karen and Ben stuff and, like, all the stuff that mm -hmm. surrounds it. It's, like, Dog Dream and then that. Just because, like, I love sci-fi. The size is really cool. Yeah, it's it's just, like, a fun conceptual sci-fi and any goes over it in a really brisk kind of way. He doesn't, like, labor over it, like, the way that a lot of, of sci-fi yeah. tends to want to do. Yeah, he's not, like, wanking his own dog over his <laughs> science fiction he's doing. I, I like, 
you know, I really like, and I'm sure like you do too, and like other people do, but like, I really like dream machine concepts. I really like online internet pod stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, this stuff can get a little into like, it's, it's paprika Technology scary, Edison's a witch. <laughs> but like, I think it's like a good balance of sort of like, we are getting influenced by people who think that and not the upside of it, which is like transparent and obvious, right? Yeah. I mean, because the whole idea is that, like, the technology is being manipulated by outside forces. Like, like I noted, like, how yeah. obvious it feels to have the company name be Reinhardt in between all yeah. these posts about Nazi Germany. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. so you're drawing this sort of through line between, in in, in Rachel Fields, like, the sort of, like, flip mm-hmm. offhanded use of her using yeah. the Holocaust in one of her mixes just in order to be a tearjerker. Like, my God. We have this, like, this guy who's, like, influenced by, like, these adverts and, like, this post-society capital landscape telling him one thing. And, like, so, like, his disgust is, like, created with this, like, landscape of Nazi ideology that has, like, that fascist ideology that's, like, propelling capitalism to this point. And, like, that's comparable to, like, the CIA scientist guys, because she's also compared to, like, the umbilical sack girl. Hygiene bed abuse is essentially just another metaphor for drug use, right? It is this, yeah, it is yeah. this craving of intense stimulation constantly, while also mixing the metaphor of, like, drug addiction with internet addiction. I don't think TikTok was around in 2016, or it was, it was still musically, and only 10-year-olds used it. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, like, this person is probably, like, deeply online to see, like, MMO addiction, or, like... Yeah, and, and is sort of seeing the direction that the internet and the way that people using it is going, because, like, this is, in a way, how people use the internet today yeah they don't plug into into like literal pod beds not yet (laughs) god willing there is this idea that like you need to be blasting yourself with non-stop content especially like in para-pandemic society Mm -hmm. yeah like this has a different hit to it too like like he obviously didn't know that we were going to enter like or did he uh oh (laughs) The, the 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 current sets of plagues are actually part of the Mother Horse Eyes canon. <laughs> it's really really elaborate meta, <laughs> really intermediate, <laughs> new art, <laughs> ultimate transmedia experience, <laughs> die for art. Well, you know, like just the concept of a mix is really compelling because like mm-hmm. the first time it gets mentioned it doesn't get any kind of elaboration about like what a mix is you could be mistaken that it's just like a you know like a music remix and then it expands so that we understand that a mix is about remixing literally any aspect of human experience and then mm-hmm. you should you should be plugging that into your brain directly at all times. Like that rules. I really like how he just lets the stuff rest, right? Like we yeah. said he doesn't like belabor anything. Like he just says it, we get it, we understand it's like we get to like 
think about it and like process it ourselves. It's really nice. Yeah, he he resists the urge to over-explain, make the story about the specific idea that he had and how cool it is. Like he he understands the perspective of something, like yeah. that things belong in the places that they belong in in a, in a uh, story. Yeah. You know, not a lot of people, it's not, not a lot of people who want to write do, so it's really appreciated when it happens. And he picks narrators that inherently are going to explain things to you. One is an advert, another is like a techie guy who doesn't like his job and is like desperate for validation in his life. So like, yeah, they're both going to explain things to you. Yeah. Like, but it's not like explain to you a common concept that should be you would know because you live in the society it's a, a bit pain it's a really nice balance it's, it's a more indirect way of explaining especially with like sci-fi fantasy it's really easy mm-hmm. to get lost in like feature creep i guess of like <laughs> yeah i like calling it feature creep like if like like people who get really really into their own world building just totally yeah. lose sight of the story they're supposed to be telling. And we've said it before. Like, no one's gonna be as into your world building as, like, you are. Yeah. And, like, you know what? For all the problems that I have with the Mother Horse Eyes officer, uh, uh, officer? The Mother Horse Eyes author? <laughs> oh, no. He, he understands that, absolutely. Hey, maybe I have all these, like, really, really intricate ideas about how like this future society would look like you're not fucking here for that you want to read about you you, you want the meat you know yeah <laughs> serve us the meat does. <laughs> we get to it and that's like that's one of the things that makes mother horse eyes for as like grotesque as a lot of it is a really easy read because mm-hmm. the author just has like a good sense of that flow even the stuff where we have, like, I think understandable problems with, like, the flow isn't necessarily the issue of it. Yeah. It's, it's just that some of the content is questionable. Okay, this this, might, this is kind of tangenty, but, like, in that ballpark, it's, like, when they snatch the girl back, there's a big emphasis on the, on the scientist being her true family, like, possessive over her. And, like, her adopted regular family who aren't treating her like a test subject or have, like, stolen their, like, blood claim, <laughs> polluting her with their non-family stuff. That is an interesting... I, I didn't think of it that way when I was reading it, but, like, I, I think that there is... Because, you know, toxic family is obvious thing to reach for with Mother Horse Eyes, which is about mm-hmm. a woman who calls herself your mother and keeps you locked in the house, slaps you around, makes you get a bag for flesh. Yeah, yeah. I, th- it's, I, I highlighted this line in particular. She was seven when we lost her, and 13 when we found her again. Like, yeah, you went to her house and kidnapped her in the middle <laughs> of the night. You didn't find her again. What are you talking about? This was a really big Chunk reading. It. Yeah. I half regret having a piece this big because they're so much to cover and to talk about but like it was it was so necessary to just like have the nazi stuff just quarantined i actually yeah that that made sense i actually made a note at 30 i was like oh this would have been a good place for us to end because <laughs> i don't know what i can't remember what 30 was for 40 but 40 is off the top of my head but it makes more sense to have the nazi stuff quarantined rather than spread it out into halves right 
40 is Mother Babylon. Yeah, see, that would have hit the same kind of, like, end tone we have. But the way we ended was also, was really impactful, and I'm (laughs) I'm glad you decided to put the Nazi stuff in a a reading block so we can, like, talk about it. Yeah, just have it kind of in its own bubble. Yeah, and, like, everything everything ties back into each other, even in between really nicely, so that ended up, it was just big. You mentioned before the the stuff about the black Israelite. One of the things that I kept thinking of was I, I thought of this actually like before we had even done this this reading like like ages ago because I knew that this stuff was coming up and that this character was something that we were going to have to tackle was um I, I was watching like an FD signifier video. It was like one of his B sides mm-hmm. or something. I think it was in one of the videos he made talking about Kanye and the anti-Semitic rhetoric that he's been pushing lately. And and he talked a little bit about the Black Israelite movement and, like, like anti-Semitism in the Black community. His point was essentially, like, yes, this is bad. Like, we, we should yeah. condemn this. We should not, like, allow anti-Semitism and, like, horseshit in our communities. But at the mm-hmm. same time, people like to blow this out of proportion when there are so few people who are a part of it. Yeah, yeah. It's just, like, tantalizing to people, I think, in that people like to focus in on stuff like this, because I I really don't know. It's, like, maybe the contradiction of it, I guess. I mean, like, one, one I think the contradiction d- is just fascinating to people, but also, like, it is kind of an excuse to get to... If you are a person with progressive policies, generally speaking, and you are not black, it kind of gives you a window to essentially, like, do an anti-blackness on an acceptable target. It's like a a convenient scapegoat for, like, all the woes of the world. And, like, even if it is, like, a a totally well-intentioned thing, because it is something that seems to be contradictory or unusual, it becomes more eye-catching, which just drives more attention and more fear-mongering to people Mm -hmm. who don't deserve that much fear-mongering because they are such a small... They don't need that much attention put on them. It it is driven by, fundamentally, racial anxieties. Yeah. That's just one of those things where you have to be like, hey, this is an inner community problem and you're not a part of the community (laughs) as neither one of these groups. You got your own issues. (laughs) And it's okay to be, like, it's okay to have, like, a stance on something. Like, hey, I think that might be bad. But then, like, shut up. Yeah. Go deal with your problem. You've got, like, a racist uncle or something you can talk about. Yeah, like, you can be an ally to Jews against anti-Semitism, but it is probably a better use of your time to be targeting anti-Semitism from white supremacist groups rather than from black separatist groups. It just fundamentally is. Yeah, it's a bigger group. You are losing, like, if if this, if this was, like, a game board, you'd be, like, losing ground. <laughs> There's no point. Like, you'd be, you'd be locked in a little corner. And then you'd, like, you know. Like, the stupid bullshit that we see in, like, LGBT discourse, right? Where, yeah. like, people are just, like, attacking one another over petty horse shit and, like, interpersonal drama because it is easier than mm-hmm. the actual problems that need to be solved because those things are insurmountable. I should know that we're not comparing the two. If you take this out of context, your liver's <laughs> going to fail. 
No, it's it's just it is it is the same kind of behavior that drives both of these things. Yeah, it's like social. It's a social science. Yeah, it's like it's easier to like cast fingers and create like social strife to feel superior to another than it is to do like inner work and deal with your own like inner circle of peers. It's safer. Or even to just like. It is, it is easier to go after a target that you perceive as weaker than the actual oh, target that is too. threatening you. Exactly, yeah. And, like, you can create, like, the belief that you gained ground by attacking this, like, invented enemy or whatever. Or, like, even if this person has, like, disagreeable, like, small fish, big barrel. It's, it's the same shit that drives, like... 90% of Twitter discourse. Like, the microcosm of, like, how the, of what this is affecting is irrelevant. Or, like, even, like, people perceive, like, slights, like, worse in a strange way. Like, human trafficking is a worse offense than sexism <laughs> as a verbal thought stuff. Yeah, oh my god, like, the way that- this, for- for- for context, this is about the Andrew Tate stuff. There was a post that went around on Tumblr where someone was like, hey, Andrew Tate is literally a sex trafficker. I don't care that he did online misogyny and did, like, the whole, like, MRA brand shtick. And- and- and said the words, I don't care about the misogyny. And a bunch of people got really up in arms about it and were like, you don't care about misogyny? Like, <laughs> don't you know that sex trafficking is caused by misogyny? It's like- that is not what this person is saying, and you know that it's not what this person is saying. You are, yeah, you are, like, you are arguing in bad faith because you want something to get mad about because you can't do anything about actual sex trafficking. Did this person maybe word that in a way that was like <laughs> kicking a hive or like rolling in oil and running into a, like a fire? Yeah, <laughs> but like I don't know, maybe have better reading comprehension than like a third grader. How dare you say we piss on the poor? <laughs> The, the the unwillingness to interpret people with any kind of generosity or, like, give any kind of leeway for the ways that people speak with their mouths and hands. Yeah, and, like, I, I think the person maybe intended to be like, <laughs> hey, misogyny is, like, a garden brand misogynist is not the same thing as a human slave person. Yeah. Yeah, which is obviously true, and it, it like it's 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 something that any person, any normal person, could be able to acknowledge. It is just the fact that the literal words that they said were, were "I don't <laughs> care about the misogyny" is the thing that made people so upset. Like you guys, you guys have got to start like learn to read things non literally. Like learn to interpret. Jesus, people are so literal recently. It's really. It's really boggling. <laughs> it's like draining. Not. I guess we can tie tie this conversation back into like the sleeping beds and stuff. The hygiene beds. Yeah, the hygiene beds about online discourse and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't think. I I'm not saying online discourse is draining. I'm saying the current movement in America to be literal, <laughs> like with art, with structures, with minimalism. It's everything. It's. Just, the thing with the with the, with the hygiene beds and the and and the mixes is that it's about like mm. reducing everything and and like online discourse does this really bad right now and like our, the the, yeah. the way that we consume media does this really bad right now where everything is reduced 
to your emotional response to it. And, like, yeah. not even the, the the response that you have after oh sitting God. and mulling on something for a while, but your immediate instantaneous response, and then it's supposed to flip by and you move on to the next thing. Which, like, that is so how everything is structured right now, even in uh, yeah. places that are supposed to facilitate conversations. Yeah. And this is, like, a really, like, future-proof sci-fi, <laughs> even with, like, a lot of the dated terms that gets used, like, dated beam terms that he can possibly have known would fall out of, like, <laughs> use literally a year later, like, feels and stuff. I mean, feels had kind of been on its last legs for a while. Well, okay. In this in this timeline, it had staying power. <laughs> I I see their vision. The, the thing is, they're being retro about it, right? Like 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 oh, it went out of right. style, and then it ended up coming back around during the 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 rise of the hygiene beds. Oh my god, you're right. You're like, hey everyone, do you want to visit the two thousands? The internet boom. <laughs> Get in these beds, bestie. It is interesting like with with the focus being so very much on jews in Mm -hmm. the story to the point that it falls into the other bad camp which is like you know the 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 perpetual jewish victim kind of thing which is like a like specifically the way that like like gentiles will use that as like this is like a prop to, to have, like, horrors yeah. done at while we s- sit from the Gentile perspective and, and watch the horror happen. And, like, the se- and, like secret Jewish knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the, the concept of the struggle with God, the wrestling mm-hmm. with God, but then the confrontation of that the Jewish God does not live in the temple and that, you know, the, the, the nameless Jew acknowledges that wasn't God the whole time. Oh no, what have I done? Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. But then also, like, on the other hand, there is still a conspiracy and we can see the moving parts of it and Jews don't really have a place in that conspiracy, which is interesting. The way God is built up throughout the throughout what we've read so far, the entire thing, but specifically in this one, in Entry 33, when we're getting, like, the um, god is a, a rotting cat strapped to like a used jock strap. Yes, yes. Here, go- here, god is like the god that we have been building this entire time is like absent here and a yeah. negative. Like this god is a negative god of rot and stinking smell, and like the god that has been built in the story is not the same tone or like nature as this god here, and that's sort of like the end point to like this deity building the rest has just been like like oh we are this was not god this was like a terrifying beast form <laughs> like using that that metaphor like the, the 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 very jewish metaphor of of wrestling with god where like mother horse eyes is we can almost know fathers in the story right mm-hmm. this is a deus in absentia story but it's a story where like there is no god but there definitely is a devil yeah yeah like you said in the previous uh the previous episode i really like this is a world with no saviors (laughs) even when there is you know because because jesus gets brought up and like like referenced and, and sort of pointed to 
frequently. Mm -hmm. Jesus and the Jesus sacrifice and all the myth around Jesus exists in this world with no god to back it up is kind of the vibe. He's just like a guy in this story. (laughs) And like, and like that power still exists in some way, whether because Mm -hmm. it is a literal, like, supernatural power or because when he says the thing this is from last reading as well yeah yeah the thing about the timeline turning around the nail through jesus's hand right that seems to Mm -hmm. be a a reference to like not only like the power of blood and the power of sacrifice but also literally the fact that the rise of christendom is Mm -hmm. one of the most important changes in history like that that is that is one of the turning points of history everything is different if there is no like jesus figure or no jesus story if 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 if, if there is nothing there and that kind of seems to be that, that seems to be like part of the implication that like there is nothing there like the sacrifice happened jesus was created jesus was born and died and there was no god to back it up because there has never been anything there was never any meaning to this act but then it creates this series of like long horrific repercussions yeah mother horses is really good i don't know like what to conclude about that but no that was okay let me that was really good (laughs) One of the things I wrote in my notes just was just, like, a single line where I just wrote in all caps, like, big letters, you can only get out what you put in. Because I think that's one of the big ideas that is sort of, like, under the surface of all of Mother Horse Eyes. Can I also read a sentence from the thing that I think is really, like, encapsulating? This is how I saw the trajectory of my life, moving farther and farther away from the dirty work. In his attempts to, like, unpack some stuff, he's moving farther and farther away from, like, the emotional work by burying it <laughs> under, like, layers of, like, story and stuff. And, like, as he ages, he thought that would perhaps, like, lessen and stuff, but in the avoidance, it's just gotten, like, worse. And and that's specifically in, um, from Ben's perspective, right? Yes, yeah, he's, he's like, a, the bed, he's become, like, the bed technician, the, yeah. like, overseer. He's a yeah. scientist now in power and no longer the worker. The readjustment specialist, yeah. Yes, the read, yes. When she's, like, beseeching him to, like, help her after being, like, interfaced and, like, being, like, drugged and killed now. <laughs> and, like, I don't know, it just, like, stands out as, like, like, um, like a thesis statement, like, um, like a confession point. Like, another thing that you can take many ways, like, like a single line that, that has, you know, greater implications for the author character more so than even the character of Ben. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, everyone we've seen in power has, like, done some horrific things, yeah. right? Like, you're not farther away from doing these things, but you're no longer, like, taking direct consequences, yeah, your hands are not, like, up in there, but, like, yeah. you, you, you were still participating. Like, yeah, that that's the thing. Like, because th- this is about class mobility also, right? Yeah, there's a really, there's a, there's a thrum of, like, class consciousness in this one particularly. I guess you can, like, in all of them, but this one has a really, like, direct ABC kind of, like, <laughs> 
people having access through different, like, stations. Yeah, and, and he talks about having been, like, an ex-Marine. He, he, he leaves that, goes to school to become a bed technician, and then goes back to school to become a readjustment specialist, and intends to continue, like, climbing the ladder, because that's just what you do. Because, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's going to give him, like, a comfortable life. But we also know that, like, there's kind of nothing going on with him other than this. Yeah. And we get the idea of, like, a lot of these people who are in these beds, this is all they have. Yeah. Right. And it's like capitalism has brought them to this point where they need all the subsidence provided from them through this. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it is, it is a total, like, the most abject alienation like being alienated literally from their own minds yeah like because the idea of existing within your own consciousness unimpeded by the the hygiene bed and the mix and the net is too much to bear mm-hmm. and like like even in that people are seeking out connections with each other and it's like the narrative here is like struggling between like Obviously, people are reacting to this hardship in their life by connecting with others, and that's not, like, a negative thing, but, like, the physical outcome is. Yeah. I mean, because they are seeking connection, but they are not actually receiving connection because the... It's, like, artificial. It's, like, an artificial connection. Yeah. The medium through which they are attempting to connect to other people is not able to actually facilitate that. It is it is just like a stream of pure emotion. And and we know that this is caused by this corporation intentionally doing this thing for nefarious purposes mm-hmm. because they're like implied Nazis. Yeah, yes, exactly. Like this has been created and now they're going to like sell solutions that support their ideology. I don't know if if the Mother Horse author is like an actual Luddite or has some some yes. like, Luddite qualities, but like wh- <laughs> it comes across a little harsh, but only because we're looking at it from twenty twenty two, I think, yeah, and not like twenty sixteen, where everyone's like, "Hey, get offline, socialize offline. Hey, go cottage core. <laughs> like, why don't you go do that? Why don't you log off? I don't want to see your posts anymore." I, I feel like Cottagecore was still sort of under the surface, like, not really not really a big thing yeah. yet in 2016. That that took, yeah. you know, it was like 2019 was when Cottagecore popped off. But the, the, the thing that I was going to say, I kind of like to imagine that he is specifically because the one that Mother Babylon is attached mm-hmm. to, like the, like the Reddit post that Mother Babylon is attached to, mm-hmm. is, it's like an r slash gaming post where someone has taken a picture of, like, a bumper sticker on someone's car, and it's just, like, a little, like, a dumb little Rocket League joke. It's, like, a bumper sticker Mm -hmm. that has, like, the Rocket League icon, Uh and it says, like, my other car is a rocket, something like that. (laughs) That's cute. And that's, Uh and that's what, what, um, Mother Babylon (laughs) is, is, is posted under, so it comes across (laughs) as though this person is having this fucking absolute meltdown to someone making, like, a silly little, like, Reddit gamer joke. Like, (laughs) I really like, okay, okay, like, I really like imagining him, like, like, some neo-romance man versus wild, like, return to nature <laughs> author in, like, a log cabin, like, furiously typing this story out over a course of, like, whatever. When, like, we know that this person is wildly online. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, this is like a critique of current online space that they're on, and it just reads sort of like out of touch, out of time to us, because it's like, <laughs> you know? Like, there are, there are other critiques of online culture that have been made that feel like from online culture that we have in the present yeah. that makes us feel dated, but it's not the fault of time. Yeah. Yeah, it is dated because it happened on a on a date that is not now. <laughs> yeah. That was bad. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, one of the other things that I had that I like put on its own line in in all caps was um everything uh-huh. is porn if you never stop masturbating, which is like that is essentially what the mix is and what what the net is in this mm-hmm. future is and 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 what a lot of the current internet is yeah. is like everything is its own kind of niche pornography to suit mm-hmm. a specific feeling a specific itch that you want to scratch and that's mm-hmm. all that most like like we call it content now instead of yeah a video oh, or things art are... or writing or whatever yeah yeah Okay, okay, okay. I 100% agree with all that, but at that point in the story, I was like, oh man, I'm rooting for the mother at this point. Like, when, when he gets to, like, the the girl jerking off when he's doing the <laughs> thing and his, like, revulsion, it was like, oh man, I wish the mother would just consume the planet right now. <laughs> like, I think I'm, I'm on the, the meat flesh side, and then, like, like, I understand what the story is saying and the metaphors it's doing, but at a certain point, it's like, okay, well, you're a weird little prude in the future. <laughs> like, I mean, I can understand not wanting someone to, like, f- start fucking busting it open in the middle of a therapy session. Yeah, 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 that's fine, that's fine. It's just, it's just, it was just... The whole thing. <laughs> Again, a, a person who probably has problems with women. Like, wow. Yeah. Man, I wonder if this guy has problems with women. Like, hey, buddy. <laughs> hey, buddy. Do you have perhaps problems with women? <laughs> like, okay. We have the three types of women who can exist. There is the whore temptress, right? Mm-hmm. There is the the aged hag who is also like you know <laughs> like a like a like a mother figure who's a mother figure but like also like sexual danger because like it's like oh I could have fucked this old woman so <laughs> that's also on the table. <laughs> well, I mean that that also gets a little bit into like the the sort of like Oedipal implications of that. I oh, think. that's true. That's true. Yeah, which like. I think it's present here. I don't know. I don't think that's the intent, like, the direct intent, because we are in this online space where that's sometimes the direct intent, (laughs) but I think it's drawing on the concept of, like, a woman can possess both things, and that's scary. Yeah. Like, a woman could be a mother and a sex object, and that's scary. Yeah. And, and, And then the third thing that you can be is, like, an eternal child angel, which we are seeing kind of manifest in Karen. And I like Karen. I like what, what ends up happening with her. I, I think her story is enjoyable. Yeah, cool. Like it, it, it is just, like, maybe it's a popcorn kind of enjoyable compared to a lot of the rest of the story, which is so, like, rough 
on the yeah. on the brain. But like I yeah. like Karen. I like what goes on with her. But she she is the little angel. She's a thirty three year old who looks like a nine year old. Yeah, she's like the continuation of the nine year old they kidnap and steal. <laughs> oh, it's obviously like the the Empress girl, right? Yeah. It's like this concept brought again to like its fullest point. She is the the sickly you know, eternal child that needs to be rescued. And this one is untainted by, like, outside forces like the one we're probably going to get to, maybe, in the next section. But, like, she has been tainted by the outside, so, like, her storyline is now impure versus Karen's storyline where she has not been touched from the outside since she's nine. (laughs) I think there's something like that is happening. It's it's also that she has this sort of, like, preternatural wisdom because she's an eternal child, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, she comes out of it, like, psychic or whatever. Like, less so that the repossessed child is... The outside world has changed her and tainted her in that it has allowed her to grow up and, and start going yes. through puberty because she's 13 when they get her back. But so so that means that she has, like fundamentally lost part of that like innocence that can allow her to be saved or or access that wisdom yeah like she's no longer like in that third category she has to pick from one or the other yeah which which as as far as i remember the story doesn't get into much but like that is the the implication like you can only be mm-hmm. one of these three things and the and that third thing is exceedingly rare like you can yeah. generally either be a hag or a whore or if you're extra special if if you're one of the chosen you can be an angel oh man i'm so i want to know where the story's going i'm looking forward to the next reading about about chosenness, that that was another one of the things that I wrote down vis-a-vis the LSD Ooh, yes. stuff, right? Is that, like, I gestured to it a little earlier, but, like, one of the uh-huh. ways that it uses the LSD stuff is that, like, most people become, like, violent and blah blah blah, but then certain people seem to be special. Like, they, they, they are unique, they are chosen. Like, we, we have these sort of, like, loose chosen one narratives, including mm-hmm. the author, yeah, they don't become violent. He's, like, altered himself that he can, like, stretch across there, but he's never... The violence that gets p- depicted in these stories are never him. It's, yeah. like, offset violence, and he just, like, wakes up into these, like, spaces. Except, like, in a way, and, like, th- this is just, like, in, in reading it, it is him doing this violence by creating it as the author, right? Like, like oh, that, yeah, that's yeah, thing, yeah. That's the thing that he's he, creating the violence. Like, like as as the character, he chooses it. But he is also, because he is maintaining that separation, he does not want you to think of him as the violent one because he is, like, he is portraying himself very intentionally as this, like, pathetic sad sat. Yeah, he, he's, he, he's moving farther and farther away from the dirty work. Yeah, he is creating so many new personas to embody this violence and and live in this violent world where like God, you know fucks. he's he's kind of special right like he he's burdened with all of this like this addiction and these these problems but he's also kind of special when you think about it cuz he's a writer 
I think <laughs> I think it really sells at home or whatever is when he does his like drunken author real sauna person yeah. sauna <laughs> and the way he writes he's like I should calmly bid them a good night or like I looked around to see my mischief and like these <laughs> ones like like I'm just the poorest little author meow meow who's ever lived. <laughs> When he was, like, a Nazi two, two, like, fractions ago. Yeah, he is allowed to LARP these different lives where he, where he, where he is soldier brutalizing the Vietnamese. He is a Nazi officer. He is this, this sort of, like, unsympathetic therapist sort of turning his nose up at literal addicts, which he is also supposed to be in his real life. Like, he, his, like, that was, like, that was how I was feeling when I wrote that note. <laughs> they do fairly consistently happen to be people who are in this protagonist or adjacent to the protagonist position who are like the special people essentially that history ends up turning around. I think there's a problem sometimes for like works that are trying to be very conceptual but the authors can't really handle the material as carefully as they should or like as as in-depth as it seems like they probably want to like they get they get so wrapped up in their core metaphor they they just destroy the meaning of the thing like it's so easy to unwrite what you're doing because like in the high concept is like a suspended thing right like yeah if you dig too deeply it's no longer you have to dig precisely because there's no base beneath it like a grounded work right you'll just like topple the whole thing and it's a really precarious thing if you get into like you're trying to you you want to explain enough that you can suspend the story but not so much that you've like undone the reason the story exists in the first place because if you can be like well why is this even happening then the story's like you know what i mean yeah you know what i'm trying to say yeah and i and and i feel like the confusion about the LSD and the way that LSD in this story essentially, like, chooses, like, special people to give the standard effects of LSD to, where most Uh people are, like, like, a lot of, a lot of addicts, there's a tendency to have, like, really, really negative views towards other addicts and I wonder if that's maybe a little bit of where that comes from that idea that like you know most people when they're affected to this like super LSD this like this like ultra potent level of LSD it just like it it breaks them and it just like turns them like evil and violent and animalistic but not me because I'm one of the good ones (laughs) this also gets into people who use substances in order to like they feel like they need the substance to create if you use something and then associate your work with it yeah like if you have like anxiety and you drink for your anxiety to get like to lower your inhibitions to get some writing done then you're going to associate your writing with the drinking yeah right and then suddenly the drinking is not going to cut it anymore so you need to get something different and like it's like cyclical like that and there's sort of like a prestige of being like well i do my art when i'm high i do my art when i'm drunk i do my art when i'm buzzed whatever and it's like you're reinforcing your addiction by doing that because you never need that substance in the first place to do that you might need medication (laughs) or like you might need different strats to create work but like the envision of like 
this particular kind of way you want to work is what's holding the person in that stasis of being, like, the good addict. Like, even, like, the self-loathing that that Mm -hmm, creates mm -hmm. when, like, they know the destructive patterns that they are in. Yeah. And, like, projecting that self-loathing onto others because, like, you know, it's, it's, it's like we were saying before, like, your problem is much harder to fix than just yelling at someone else to fix their problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, when you're the one having the problem, you're inside that problem. <laughs> like, how, like, it's really hard to be, like, to other people and just yourself to be like, hey, well, I see that I need to fix some stuff, but I'm, like, in the middle of the stuff. What do I fix that doesn't, like, topple everything I can, you know? Yeah. Like, what thing do you fix first when, like, it's all stacked onto these problems you have? Yeah. You know, this author just has layers and layers of problems that, like, does not want to address. The author is correct. We need to go back and stop Christianity from happening. (laughs) (laughs) The the capital hell vortex of meat and stuff. I think this is the correct reading of Mother Horse Eyes, and they're right. But, like, like the thing is, you going back and undoing Christianity really is just escaping from your own problems that are probably <laughs> not going to be solved by Christianity no, not existing. No, because, like, like, there was wine back then, too. That's a <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is a separate problem you're having. You could turn water into that shit back then. <laughs> it was crazy. It was there horrible. Were- they were drinking it because there was so much of it. They were drinking it instead of water. You think that would help you? <laughs> oh, I guess one one tiny little tidbit. The description of the skull and the skull fragment made oh, yeah. me think of Sicklands, which we are going yeah, to read oh at some point. Oh my god! So I'm so excited for Sicklands. <laughs> Not going to be during during this because it's it's fairly short compared to a lot of these. Like we can cover that in one pretty much. Yeah. Probably, it's, it's, it's exciting. Not a lot of people know that one. It's yeah. a sleeper. <laughs> but, like, one that does make me crazy. I know. I read that I was doing my reading on New Year's. I was like, oh, I'm... S-, and I wrote down in my notes, I am so full of mimosa. I love this entry. <laughs> I think the writing here is really fun. Here being, uh, oh, no, this one's real. The one about the old woman and the author character. And it's, like, that kind of, like, Johnny Trent, like, oh, I've had a crash out, but, like, the dial, like, the language is, like, I looked around to see evidence of mischief. Like, that's a really funny thing to write when you're a a 30-something alcoholic. (laughs) That one is one of the ones that still kind of, like, makes me roll my eyes a little bit with the way he talks about, Mm -hmm. like, and then I took a belt of a drink and 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 then another <laughs> sip and i and i told myself like oh having the sip was a reward for not you know drinking with yeah and then he's like worried that he fucked this old lady which i wrote coward <laughs> like what <laughs> but overall it's it ties it to the never-ending story right because like yeah the arrested adult coming of age thing like he never gets to the end of it he just hears the start again and again and again yeah there's a part halfway through the book of the never-ending story where, mm-hmm. like, Bastion is not able to, like, complete his duty in giving the childlike empress a name, and so she essentially, like, punishes him by, like, putting him 
in a time loop where she goes to the guy who writes the book in the world of Fantasia Mm -hmm. that he is reading and is like, okay, well, I'm here now, which means... I'm going to, to, to witness you writing the story down from the beginning. It traps Bastion in this loop so that he's just sitting there glued to the book for, you know, what, what feels to him like e- eons until he can mm-hmm. break himself away and say, like, okay, fine, I'll do it. That's interesting that the movie kind of, like, took that slice of that and, like, focused in on that without the punishment part of it. Yeah, it really ends just at the first part of it, because the movie is fundamentally about something different than what Mm -hmm. the book is about. Like, they both center on this child who is grieving, Mm -hmm. but the book is much more about the fact that he is grieving, and, like, he he is this kind of snotty little kid who who mm-hmm. has trouble socializing and, like, kind of thinks he's better than other people because he's a writer. Yeah, which is, like, definitely being drawn with Mother Horse Eyes more than, like, the movie, obviously, I think. Because, like, the movie itself is sort of, like, healing fantasy adventure for yeah. a kid. Yeah. And the book is, like, writer philosophy. <laughs> yeah, it's about how, like, what you have to learn as a young storyteller about the stories you tell and your role in them. Because the back half Mm -hmm. of The NeverEnding Story is that he enters Fantasia and he gets to make wishes. Like, that's the thing that he's charged with doing. Is like, he he gets, like, like a seemingly infinite number of wishes and he, he chooses to, like, remake himself into, like, this perfect, strapping, brave young man... Uh, and, and, like, super hot so that he can date the childlike empress, who he never, like, I don't think he ever sees her again, and he's really upset that, like, she is ignoring him. That's really funny. That was a really good choice for <laughs> to do that. And he, he has all of these totally effortless adventures where he can just solve everything at the drop of a hat because he's the author. Uh, <laughs> As, as time goes on, he starts to forget who he actually is and about mm-hmm. his family and about his memories of his parents and stuff. And and it's only when he sort of, like, sacrifices this image that he's built up of himself, like, this this sort of, like, fake self that he has developed to, to sort of, like, boost his own yeah. ego because Atreyu and Falcor, who are his only, like, mm-hmm. real friends who, like, care about him and, like, try to snap mm-hmm. him out of this, because Atreyu saw who Bastion really was. Like, like when they have that mirror moment at the Southern Oracle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Atreyu knows that this is, like, a put-on that Bastion is doing, and, like, is able to sort of pull him out of it and get him to sacrifice this alter ego, this, like, perfect persona that he is putting on at the cost of his own empathy and humanity, and gets him to go away, basically. (laughs) Like, go home. That feels really relevant to, like, the whole thing we're reading, but also to the <laughs> section. But, like, the persona he's putting on is one that sucks a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's sort of the opposite impulse of, like, I mean, and who knows how true to to his own life it is. Like, we get the idea that he is a frustrated author. And, 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 and I think part of yeah. the reason why I wanted to point out the writing prompt usage is that, mm, like, mm. this section 
more than the other two. I feel like you can see the author kind of grasping at straws a little bit, like a little bit making things up as he goes, because like... Like venting that frustration. Yeah. The, the, the Apple nullity was absolutely not even a thing in this person's mind until the moment he saw that prompt. No, no. Also, I think it's a really interesting sort of, like, it has the same humor, humor, as, like, <laughs> like, something awful, like, funny, cre- nasty creepypasta, but the note here is dire in the story. <laughs> like, like, to take that, like, really whatever that something awful for creepy creepypasta humor yeah. and try to twist it into something that serves his story and to, like, continue that kind of, like, beats of, like, uncoupling. Uh, it, I, I really like it. Oh, I, I hate the Apple nullity. I hate the Demon Penis Land stuff. I, like, listen. It is so obnoxious listen, to me. <laughs> listen. I like it within the context of the story. If I read it on its own, I probably wouldn't. I think, okay, I, okay, particularly, I, I, I've taken a sentence out of it. He worked the next day, and despite all the pain, he finally brought the non-being crashing down. And then the father says he's mighty proud of him, right? And then there's the dumb you know, p- demon penis and stuff, right? Yeah. But it's, like, this context of him destroying something that's not real, but his pain is real, and he's supposed to, like, work through the pain to achieve this impossible goal. Yeah, specifically so that he can get praise from his parents. Yeah. Like, okay, when you put it that way, yeah, sure. I just, like, I I, I the only advocate for the (laughs) other horse eyes guy on the internet right now. I, I just cannot get, like, I'm really glad that he decided to go into horror because he would not cut it as a comedic writer. This is some of the most no. terminally unfunny shit that I have ever seen. That, I think it's the point, though. I think it's I don't like this. I don't. I don't know okay. if the point is to be unfunny. I think he thinks that he's being funny because, like, in addition oh. to being like something awfully, it's also very Reddit humor. It's it's That's such true. Reddit humor to be like. Well, that darn cat climbed up the melody, and I looked into all the branching timelines, and, and, and like, it sucks so bad. It's so Reddit. I was like, hey, that's so something awful. <laughs> uh, no, it's awful hospital that came out of my mouth wrong. Because I don't, I don't want to say I'm giving the benefit of the doubt, but I was really vibing, I guess. But like I said, I was also really full of mimosa at the time, so like... <laughs> I was stone cold sober reading these, baby. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, gosh, Pa, I don't want to hang my tree on no demon penis. It's so stupid. I, think, I hate it so much. Okay, I think I have, I think I have more, a little more tolerance for stuff like that. <laughs> you know, I have no sense of humor. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't think I do either. But I also really enjoy that kind of stuff done in like a kind of like ironic space to propel a story. Uh, I kind of like was assuming he was intending that, but like it, it, it's probably not. It is 2016. There's a podcast I really like that has this kind of tone too. So it's kind of that, but the podcast is not like this. It's, it's really <laughs> it's the story must be told. Body horror gospel mm-hmm. stuff. And I was like, oh, I like that. But, like, yeah, this is just Reddit humor. <laughs> Taken in by fish bait. 
like the lore was really shiny and stuff. It's <laughs> hardly my fault. Well, look, no, like if if anything, you you by being more generous to it, you saw things within it that I was not willing to identify because <laughs> I was not willing to be generous with it. <laughs> That's what you say when like I was cursed by a demon book, and you're <laughs> you're like. <laughs> And we went on an adventure, like, saved a kingdom, and you're like, hey, if you weren't cursed by that demon book, we never would have gotten to this adventure. <laughs> Is Reddit the demon book? Um, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess, obviously. Well, it looks like we're going to wrap it up there for tonight. Let us know your thoughts on Mother Horse Eyes. Give us a like and share us with your friends. Next episode, we continue with narratives 51 to 65. This has been the Creepypasta Book Club. Thank you and good night. <laughs>